Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart, and you're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. And today's guest is with us to talk about poetry as well as fiction in many different formats. I'd like to welcome Len Kuntz to the show. Hi, Len. How are you? Hi. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Jim Valdez here because he's the one who brought you to my attention. And, um, you know, I, it's really nice to have people like like Jim who, who you know, feed people in other directions. So thank you, Jim. Um, Len, you write a lot. Talk to us about what how much you've written in the past uh, year, for example. Um, well, yeah, I do. I, I write full-time, and I treat it... You know, I treat it like a job. Uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. I get up in the morning and uh, I get my butt in the chair and mm-hmm. I write from probably nine to to maybe four or five in the afternoon. And sometimes I'll write at night too. I try not to just wait for the the muse to appear. But mm-hmm. in the last two years, uh, I've written a novel uh, and I've written um, about uh, almost nine hundred short pieces of fiction. Or poetry, so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, let me ask you this: Do you find so before when you were working full time at a day job, where were you finding your time to write then? It was hard. Uh, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. sleep very much. Uh, I would mm-hmm. mainly write at night, but but it was just sparingly and and back then it really was when i had a nugget of, of time or um kind of drove myself inspiration wise whereas now mm-hmm. with the writing i mean people say that's a lot and i guess it is but you know, i'm writing um over 40 hours a week every week so yeah. i should yeah. have some kind of output um <laughs> you have a few poems to read for us would you start with any one that you would like there yeah, sure. Um, how about I'll read Bridge? You want me to just read it? Yeah. Okay, this is called Bridge. I wore waves, and you were razor wire that night. That night, trumpets and flutes swirled a tune from another truck on our hill, and you, you knew every word by heart. Your heart, your heart a mealy thing, beating bold and blue black. You said, take it. Take whatever you want right now, but I did not. That was decades ago. This morning you show up in newsprint, page one. Big moon smile I knew so well. Everyone now, everywhere, reading about you. You, the woman who leapt off a bridge. When I read that poem for the first time, you know, I was totally unprepared for the ending, and I thought that was a really well-constructed poem that alludes to so much early on but doesn't give away anything you know and i think that's a very hard thing to do especially in such a short space to say so much in so little um how how where did you get the idea for that and the final evolution of it did you see it fully formed when you came up with the idea or did that kind of come as the words came you know the ending actually didn't come until um i wrote the last uh the last phrase there and the idea really was um, I was picturing, you know, sort of nostalgic. They're up on a hill. They're high schoolers, and she's basically saying, you know, 
marry me or bury me. It's, you know, you got to decide what you're doing with me. And and he has this missed opportunity. And then years and years later, he uh, sees her, but he sees her in the newspaper, and this has happened to her. It's sort of like, uh, you know, it's electronic age and social media. You lose track of people, and all of a sudden they show up yeah. in your lives. And, oh, wow, there's that person. So, yeah, yeah the ending just kind of came about and sort of tied everything up into a, a neat little package. I tend to write tragic things. <laughs> That's kind of my, <laughs> my idea. I'm still trying to figure out how to write a happy ending. <laughs> Well, you know, they, they, the happy endings sometimes happen naturally. I think you got to let them be. Where the story tells itself, is that something that you find? You work in so many different mediums. Do you find that the story is its own thing, or do you really, really create, direct, and shape it? What do you think? Well, I think it depends on what type of writing it is. A lot of times with the poetry, mm-hmm. yes. Um, um, for me, sometimes I'll have a germ of an idea with the poem, but most often it'll be um, a first sentence. I'll like the sound or the cadence, the flow of the words. It'll be an interesting use of language. And then I just I just keep writing, and whatever happens, happens. With a novel or even a long, say, 5,000-word short story, um, you have to have some structure. Oh, I do anyway. Um, you have to yeah. have a plot there, and you have to have some interesting characters. And usually, like with the novel, I tore out photos from magazines to, okay, the character sort of looks like this. This is their sensibility. Um, so it's people who say the book wrote themselves, uh, I don't know how that would work. Because <laughs> that's, a, that's a long haul when you're with a novel. You know, if you're writing 90,000 words, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it'd be real willy-nilly without some sort of structure. Well, I love what you said in terms of developing the characters to create them, make them multidimensional by actually finding images of what they look like and what what they may be um, elements of their existence, kind of in a in a different dimensional space in a visual sense. Um, what else do you look for in a character to make them part of a story? How do you know a particular character is central to a story or someone that can be kind of cut out? Um, well, I always try to get uh, characters who are very quirky but who are very lovable. Um, mm-hmm. Rick Moody, um, Rick Moody, who wrote um, The Ice Storm and a lot of other great mm-hmm. uh, novels, said the best advice I can ever get uh, give a writer is make your character lovable, and mm. I think that's really important. So um, I tend to write about wounded um, characters, mm. but they're still lovable, so you're rooting for them. Um, right. And so, um, and then also to make them very individualized. So you want them to have a little something that's unpredictable, and right. I always try to say, okay. What's the worst thing that could happen to this person, and what would be the most unexpected thing? Mm-hmm. And that really that really makes it uh, full of surprises. You know, what you want to do is you want to heap conflict on your character more and more, and just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. And so the person's just totally rooting for them. Please, please, someone come in and save them. <laughs> and, of course, they save themselves at the end of the story. Mm. Do you find is it hard to put your characters in those terrible circumstances? You know, um, you no, have the because you, you to save them too. <laughs> yeah, you know you're going to pull them out of it. 
Although for me, that, <laughs> I'm talking the long form there, but in short right. form, um, most of the time my characters just sort of suffer. Um, and I've been <laughs> accused of writing, you know, very dark stuff, and I think I do. Um, like I wrote this poem that just got published a while back uh, called Mother's Day, and it's about this woman who's really struggling with having these kids and she's sort of regretting the kids and she's depressed and she drives the car off into off the bridge with her kids in it. And I read that poem. I read that. You had it it was there was a link posted someplace and I saw it and it's a very visceral feeling you get when you read that poem because it's it is dark. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely dark. dark. But it's not alien who, dark, which is maybe what makes it scary, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I had a friend who said, how could you write something like that? And I said, well, because, you know, that happens, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. Your life yeah. is not always, you know, rainbows no. and unicorns. So I, t- I tend no. to identify with uh, the more tragic things. For me, they're more interesting. Um, yeah. And I think people shy away from that because it makes them squirm a little bit. But sometimes yeah. I think it's okay. Yeah. What what would you what is your favorite medium to work in? What when you sit down and would you think God, I'd really like to work on this today? Would it be a short story, microfiction? Would it be poetry, the novel? What would it be? My favorite is uh, probably microfiction, and then mm-hmm. poetry. The the you know the novel is just it's, for me it's hard work and it's a lonely mm-hmm. process. It's just you and this big mammoth piece of work that. You've got to decide early on, okay, we're going to waltz a long time, and I'm going to have doubts about it, but I'm not going to let it go. Whereas the short form, you just whip it out, and then you buff it up and polish it, and you've got this tight little nugget that you can finish like in a day. Um, I enjoy the creative process. I don't really enjoy the editing so much and uh, mm-hmm. all that kind of backside so I would say short mm-hmm. fiction, but for me, really, um, if I'm reading someone really good, you know, just a fantastic writer, I tend to want to write whatever medium that writer is mm. writing in. I don't necessarily copy That's their style. Right, like I'm, right. If I'm reading a collection of short stories and they're really great, like I just uh, read I Knew You'd Be Lovely by Aletha Black, mm-hmm. and they were fantastic, so then I started wanting to to write stories, and then I just mm-hmm. finished um, So You Know It's Me by Brian uh, Olua, and they're little micro pieces, and so I whipped out like a couple dozen of those. So it just depends. Um, I'd like you to read us another poem at this sure. time. Sure. Um, this one is called Decent. Um, she is never through talking, mumbling, talking to herself. She is confused, clairvoyant, nostalgic. Hair is spider's web, plastic teeth, her brogue as thick as the stew she makes. Mother died before I knew this ancient woman, so now, any chance I get, I watch, panning for clues that might fill in my potholed history. She shakes her finger and tells me to knock next time I plan on delivering her mail. Only I did, only I'm not. On the way out, I kiss her powdered cheek that feels like dough. She says, tell your mother to at least buy you a decent coat. I smile and say, sure, sure, Gran, 
I will. Now, again, it's it's not you know it's a poem. It's quick. It's not long, but the characterization is so true and so deep. I mean, you get a very clear visual, a very clear sense of who this is in the story that we're listening to, um, and that's that's a very hard thing. Do you, do you find that that's something that um, works the same way in all the different things that you write, or is that something you approach very differently uh, in each of the different genres? Yeah, I think for well, for me, my poetry always has a pretty strong narrative arc. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not very good at, nor am I really a fan of very experimental um, mm. prose or poetry where it's just pretty words and you're not quite sure what they're saying because um, I'm not smart mm-hmm. enough to understand it. So for me, there always has <laughs> to be uh, some sort of arc or plot in there, and I like to sort of bring people into the piece emotionally really quick and then hammer it at the end with a twist or some really poignant thing. And so this piece, of course, is about this boy whose mother died very early on, and he's looking for his identity in his grandmother, um, like um, genetically or otherwise. And, of course, the irony is that she's lost her identity because she has Alzheimer's. And yeah. uh, so it's a, a kind of a, a paradox or play on each other. Yeah, and it's a, and it's it's a it's a very poignant, um, and very very nicely evoked. Again, you know, you find yourself coming along each line of it carries you further into the story, and you don't have um, you know you're not waiting for the outcome at the beginning. It happens on its own. Um, Another question that I had for you, when you're writing the novel, do you exclude all else or do you take breaks from that to, to work on other things to kind of keep you going? No, when I, you know, um, when I write a novel, I, I can't toggle in and out um, because mm. it's too easy to, to uh, lose that kind of zeal for the novel and the characters. And it's really addictive, the short um, writing especially you know, like sending it out and getting it published. Mm-hmm. It, it can get All addicted that. for the wrong reasons. Because you know, <laughs> I think most of the writers I know, and I now know quite a few of them, we're all, uh, for the most part, a little insecure about ourselves. And so when you get pieces accepted, it's someone saying, hey, you actually are a pretty good writer. You do have some talent. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to just um, live off that sort of hook and that patting on the back. Mm-hmm. So no, when I go into novel mode, which I plan to do as soon as my kids go back to school, I've got <laughs> a board right here with uh, all these tear sheets of my characters. Um, I'm going to just buckle down and, and try to get a rough draft done in, in a couple months. But I have, I have the story all fleshed out in my head in these characters. So now you just got to get down to the work of it and get it on the page. Right, right. Um, confidence. You know, you just said something that I think is so relatable to writers. You know, it seems to be a very, uh, it's a battle everyone struggles with, you know, and, and submissions and rejection and all that's a big part of it. But what, where do you get your sense of I am a writer from? Where does that stem from for you? Well, you know, I've grappled with that for a long time. I wanted to be a writer when I was nine years old. I mean, I knew when I was nine that I wanted to do it. But along the way, it's like, well, uh, at what point do you get to call yourself a writer? At what point do you know if you're any good? 
And for most people, that's when you get not a story accepted or a poem accepted. It's not even when you get a story collection. It's usually when you get the novel done. Like most people, after I retired from the corporate life, and I told them I'm writing full-time, and they go, well, have you written anything? I'll tell them, but do you have a novel? (laughs) They all want to know if you have a novel. And if you don't, they kind of think, well, I don't know if he really is a writer. But now in the writing community, and there's a fantastic, really supportive writing community online and, and locally here and in cities like you know New York and Chicago and San Francisco, they sort of bolster up your confidence. Um, but one of the things I do a lot uh, is I read a lot. I try to read 100 books uh, a year. But within that is a smattering of books on the craft. And so I've read mm-hmm. Writing Life by Annie Dillard, I just read a Zinzer book, William Zinzer, uh, all of them, Stephen King, John Gardner. And they reinforce the fact that um, you write for the reader, but really you write because you love it. And if you write, you're a writer. Um, And and even I went to a writing workshop in Iowa for the weekend with Doug Gesh, who's a poet. And he kept talking about, stop worrying about whether it's going to sell or this or that. Mm -hmm. Write the best book, the best story, the best poem you can. And he said, do you think Melville, when he wrote um, uh, the book, um, Spacing on the Herman Melville, uh, or any of those uh, older writers, do you think they sat around going, I wonder if anyone's going to buy this book about about Moby Dick? I wonder if Amazon will take it. No, yeah. they they wrote the best book they could back then. And so um, that's done a lot to bolster up my confidence, I think. Um, we're out of time. And so I want to uh, leave reader listeners with uh, a, one of your final poem, but I also want you to tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on. Right this minute. Uh, right this minute, I'm writing short fiction. Um, I've got... And it's a treat, of course, like I said, because it's my favorite thing to do. So I'm writing on um, some short pieces, um, experimenting with different types of language to bring a concept alive. And then, like I said, in two weeks, um, I'm going to start my new novel. And your first novel, where is that in terms of uh, its its life cycle? What are you at with that? Um, I'm querying agents right now and gathering cool. rejections. I've got five rejections. So. <laughs> So if anybody knows an agent, uh, yeah, it's a in the in the novel it's called House of Rats, and it's um, mm-hmm. a, sort of a Slumdog Millionaire meets Lord of the Flies. So it's a little bit of a dark story. <laughs> uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a dark story, and uh, you know, not everyone can saddle up to that type of story from a publishing house standpoint. But I think once someone would read it, they'd go, you know what, this is pretty good. I hope it would. Well, anyone who knows an agent, any agents listening, anyone who's got a contact, send it this way and get that person over to Len because uh, this book, I know, I want to read it. Yeah, thank <laughs> I'm you. I'm sure everybody else does too after that description. <laughs> well, thanks so much. And uh, okay, so I'll close out with this last poem. Yes, that'd be great. Okay. Yeah, this is very short, and uh, this essentially just has to deal with uh, the complexities of relationship and how sometimes they mirror a circus. So it's very short, and it's called Settings. 
this has nothing to do with the moon or sea, sunsets, flora or fauna. We should, however, call attention to the parade and the carnival barkers who tried to teach us the correct ways to swallow swords. Yesterday you wore pink and nothing mattered. I mastered a new language and used it on a mime. There are places I will not go now, to parties, to dreams, anywhere near your heart. Again, another great ending. And, you know, endings are one of those things in poetry that we argue about, whether we should tie things up or leave them wide open. But, you know, yours are so seamless. I can't really imagine any of these three poems without those particular endings on them. Um, so that's really well done. I want to thank you for that. Um, and I want to thank you for just taking time out of your day to uh, be on the show. I think, um, you know, we have so much more to talk about, Len, and I want to hear progress on where your your book is and your next book and all the rest of that, and everyone else will want to hear that too. So we'll check in and uh, get some updates from you down the road. Thanks in the so meantime, much. I hope you have a very productive fall and get those kids back to school and get some writing done. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Everyone, it's been another great episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, enjoyed this last uh, weekend of summer. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be back again next week. So have a great, productive, creative, summery week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.